are scripture verses that speak about the sins of the fathers. And many would agree that these verses also apply to the sins of the mothers. Whether you're a mom or a dad, even godly parents are not immune from the shame, the grief, and even the guilt that can often accompany the secret sins of our past. And these past sins, and even the emotions that stem from them, can adversely affect the way that, well, we raise our kids and doing damage to our parent and child relationships in the process. And to add insult to injury, the children of shame and guilt-ridden parents find themselves struggling with many of the same traits and issues that they didn't know about their self-loathing parents. Getting past the past for the sake of our kids today, because you can't live on a stump. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is our year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is Trace Embry. He is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill Academy. He's also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. Trace, do you ever think that parents stop to reflect on how some of the mistakes that they've made earlier in their lives, that they have adversely affected the way that they're raising their kids today? I don't think they stop to think that. I, I know I never did, at least not until long after Beth and I started having kids of our own. Right. Uh, something I say pretty often around here, both at Shepherd's Hill and you know, on the Licensed to Parent broadcast, is that the things I appreciate most about myself, I learned mm-hmm. from my dad. And mm-hmm. the things I hate most about myself, I learned from my dad. Yeah, that's I, true. I can see that <laughs> in me. I think yeah. generally speaking, people could probably say the same thing about both their parents, but it mm-hmm. wasn't until I came to Christ and then began to mature in the Lord, and that was long after Beth and I started having kids, that I realized that some of the negative traits that I inherited from my parents were not congruent with what the Spirit of God was trying to cultivate in me. Mm. And there were definitely some negative traits, uh, things I still struggle with this very day. But as far as like secret sins, I'm, I'm not trying to you know boast or anything, but I, I don't really have the kind of skeletons in my closet that would cripple me with uh, the kind of shame or grief or guilt that I, I probably could have had considering my upbringing. But some parents may actually have like criminal backgrounds. Um, maybe they were, you know, just grossly promiscuous or committed adultery or worse, maybe rape, robbery, or even murder. Um, anyway, regardless of what their transgressions were, past sins can affect the way we raise our kids today. And hmm. I think this is even more true for Christian parents and so many of these parents so often feel that you know their past lives disqualify themselves from imparting and enforcing moral standards on their kids that they themselves didn't adhere to, uh, you know, er- earlier in their lives anyway. But uh, I would say this is a huge mistake. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. And I'm sure our guest today has something to say about this. Our guest and licensed parent is Dr. Harold Rhodes. Dr. Rhodes is a counseling psychologist. He was an intelligence officer in the U.S. Army. He was also the head of counseling programs at Emanuel College and Regent University. And he's the founder and director of Healing Springs Retreat Ministry. Dr. Rhodes is an author of the book, You Can't Live on a Stump. And Dr. Dr. Rhodes and his wife live just down the road from Shepherds Hill Academy. Welcome, Dr. Rhodes. Glad to be here. Well, Dr. Rhodes, uh, your book, You Can't Live on a Stump, 
wasn't written specifically to parents, but it can certainly apply to a lot of parents today. Can you give our audience the gist behind the title and why this book might be something for a lot of parents to digest? One of the problems, is, uh, as you two are discussing, is the lack of forgiveness. Mm. We get stuck on mistakes. Uh, I deal with people in my private practice all the time who carry shame, who carry guilt. Mm. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is after mistakes, after the death, for example, what really inspired the title was going through the grief of the death of my uh, previous wife. Mm -hmm. And something that was incredibly freeing to me is when I was young and in a conservative evangelical congregational background, I got the idea that the more I performed, the better I was, the more I was loved. Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. problem with that is, what do we do when we do something awful? As a matter of fact, (laughs) Trace just told me he wrote the first part of the book, and I thought, well, he's still reading it, so I guess it's okay, because in the first part of the book, I felt strongly led of God to reveal my mistakes, and I revealed them to give people a hope that there's life after mistakes. Amen. Mm. One of mine caused me to be on the front page of a newspaper, (laughs) and Yet there was freedom, but then some years later, I gained an even greater freedom that's changed my life. One day, I distinctly experienced within my spirit God saying, on the day that you committed the worst sin of your life, I loved you just Mm. as much as when I flow healing through you to many, many people. Mm -hmm. And when I thought of that, see, one of the things that we need to communicate to our children is after a mistake, you're still loved. Love is not based on performance. But if we as parents are struggling with forgiving ourselves or giving ourselves grace, how can we pass something on we don't have? Mm -hmm. And so, again, the whole can't live on a stumps idea was, okay, bad things happen, we make bad choices, bad things happen to us, but we can't live there. And I will give a very quick synopsis of how the title came. My wife had died, the most Christ-like person I've ever known in my life. We'd been married almost 25 years. I was struggling with the grief mm-hmm. some years later. And I went on personal retreat to the Gulf of Mexico and camped down there. I felt it was time to release my wife. And so I had reserved a particular campsite because it was right under a marvelous shade tree. However, two hurricanes had taken care of that shade tree, and all there was was a stump. So I went down. I did my release ceremony just uh, to release my late wife to move fully forward with my life. And I came back. I was having coffee in the morning the next day. And beside the stump, there was a sapling growing. And God gave me the title of the book, Mm -hmm. You Can't Live on a Stump. And that certainly includes forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The other reason that's very important for parents, 
the more we're unforgiving of ourselves and yes. our past, the less grace-giving we are to others. Mm-hmm. It so bites true. in many directions if we can't forgive ourselves. Yeah. Is there a, is, is there a, uh, a warped element of pride involved in that where, you know, um, I don't know, I just see, I just see not being able to forgive ourselves could be tied into some kind of pride that we, we'd have to admit that we actually messed up, you know? There could be that. What I see greater is somehow I haven't paid enough. Mm-hmm. Mm. That that's been paid, though. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like it, it, I was meeting one time with a friend of mine and another friend of mine, and my other friend was an attorney. And we were just having breakfast together. The attorney had been disbarred some years earlier because he had embezzled some money from a fund. But he still hadn't released himself. And my friend asked him, he said, uh, called him by name, said, you're an attorney. If you had been tried and convicted, how many years would you have spent in prison? And he said, seven years. He said, well, it's been 17. When do you let yourself out of prison? Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I think a lot of times it's the punishment. I think a lot of times, what if if my children knew that? Mm-hmm. Almost like it would inspire them to do wrong. Yeah, yeah. right. Now, well, I assume that you've seen the shame and guilt of the past sins of many parents work out in some unhealthy ways with respect to the way they raise their kids. Can you, can you give the examples of what I might be talking about there? Ironically enough, it can go both ways, as strange as it may seem. Sometimes, but it's a part of our culture. Uh, a part of what's really impacted our culture is we try to give our children everything we never got. That's a big mistake. That is a huge mistake. We have created a whole generation of people who feel they are deserving. Oh, entitled, yeah. It can go the other way because we can fear that our children would be like us and we can become overly strict. Mm-hmm. And it can bite. There's a balance, isn't there? There is There is. A balance, but when we aren't forgiven, we aren't free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, the more of that we have not accepted ourselves and our mistakes, the less we can have the interchange with God, because that's like right. a part of ourselves we're blocking off. Right. And it's in the deeper parts of ourselves that we have the deeper interactions. Yeah, it's almost like say the cross wasn't good enough. It was good for every the world, but not for me. That's that's where I get with the pride thing. You know, it's 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 like you know you don't know what I've done, but uh, but God knows. And and the the cross, you know, was the life after a mistake, right? After many mistakes, right? Oh, multitudes, absolutely, infinite. Yeah, but uh, you know, we we hear so much about. Shame um, as being a, a crippling emotion. Uh, I hear a lot of psychologists, even Christian psychologists, talking about you know about this subject, uh, uh, particularly when we unnecessarily hang on to it too long. When is too long, and can shame be a positive thing? Okay, I do not believe shame or guilt is ever positive. There is a distinct difference between guilt and what we Christians call conviction. Mm. 
I believe that shame and guilt come from Satan. Because if you can imagine, I was an athlete about 25 pounds ago. I've lost some weight. But anyway. About 25 years ago, too. Uh, I'm afraid more than that. But anyway, it's kind of like running with shackles on your legs. Mm -hmm. You can only get so big of a stride, and if you're not careful, you're going to trip. And so one of the greatest ways to hinder person's progress is to for them to be saddled with shame and guilt. I have in my history worked with one person who could not go to work. He had done what would be a minor misdemeanor, and he was afraid that someone would see him and know what he had done. Mm. Completely, completely his life was taken away. Mm. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Harold Rhodes founder of Healing Springs Retreat and the author of You Can't Live on a Stump. Trace Embry, Dr. Rhodes, and I'll be right back after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. And today we are talking with Dr. Harold Rhodes about his book, You Can't Live on a Stump. Trace? Yeah, you know, the, the, the term shame, um, there's a lot to that. And uh, uh, I understand what you're saying about it. But is shame not a precursor to conviction, which implies that there is a, a standard by which we've transgressed from, and we don't want to live there, mm-hmm. but don't you almost have to have, uh, I mean, 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians in, in chapter five, I say this to shame you. Should, does, a, does a parent then never say to his child, you should be ashamed of yourself for what you just did or, or what you just said? Not that you want the child to live there or that you're, you're shaming them, forcing them to, to come to a conviction that they haven't come to on their own yet. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it's a more complicated term than, than maybe a lot of people have thought about it. I don't think the correct word is shame that leads to change. I think okay. the more mm. correct word is brokenness. Mm. With no brokenness, there's okay. no change. With shame, there's a bondage that comes upon. Okay. For example, if a child steals a cookie from the cookie jar and the parent catches them, and the child says, oh, I'm sorry. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. However, if somehow that same child realizes the brokenness of having betrayed the trust of the parent, that child is likely to change. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two phrases I always encourage parents not to use to children, and parents use one of them all the time. I'm disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a terrible a phrase. I've talked to adults who told me about an incident in childhood when the parent said, I'm disappointed in you, and they're still trying to not make that parent disappointed. The other phrase, I would never say to my child, I'm ashamed of you, because the automatic comment implies rejection. Mm-hmm. But brokenness is critical, that the child aware and be broken, because that's when they change. Mm. And how is brokenness uh, encouraged? How how is it brought about if a child doesn't feel broken over mm-hmm. a particular violation or you know a sin or or whatever? How how does brokenness come into the equation? or conviction in the equation without a standard by which this kid or this person has transgressed. I think this is an important conversation because I yeah. think there's some nuance that gets muddies the waters here, and I, think, I really appreciate this dialogue. Okay. For one, you might reverse it. For example, the parent picks the child up at school every day. So the, let's say the child was caught on the phone looking at some inappropriate material. Mm-hmm. And the parent says, do you know, I've trusted you and allowed you to have that phone when you're not in my presence. Mm. Now, you've trusted me to pick you up after school. Mm -hmm. What would happen if you stood outside the school for an hour and a half and I never came by one evening and you ended up trying to find a ride home? And then to kind of go in with brevity, parents talk way too much, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) With brevity, this world is built on trust. Mm -hmm. You're trusting me to be here. And when I give a certain responsibility to you, I'm trusting you. Now, how would you feel after that first time when you stood out there for an hour and a half? Would you feel like, I'm going to be there the next day or not? Or would you wonder? 
And so there's a sense of reversing, getting into their world and where they're finding certain things violated. Hey, Dr. Rhodes, you know, just as we're talking about shame and guilt and grief, I'm just realizing that this is some hard stuff to work through. It's, it's, it's hard to release it. For some reason, it is so excruciating to release this, uh, to ask for forgiveness or to work that out with God or who we need to work that out with, with our child or our spouse. I want to go back to the campground with you. You were talking about a release ceremony. What does that look like? Okay. When I'm working with people with grief, the end of grief, and you don't see much written about this, is actually a release. Mm. Okay. I continued to grieve the death of my wife. I'm going for this retreat. I have no intention to do anything. My son-in-law sent a letter with me. He says, open it when you get your camp set up. Meanwhile, God spoke into my spirit. It's time to let Sharon go. When I got to the campground and read the letter, my son-in-law basically says this, Dad, we've all let Mom go. It's time for you to let her go. I sent a copy of one of your favorite pictures of her. Maybe you can go down to the beach and burn it Mm. as a release ceremony. The ceremony is an active part of making a statement with our body, with our hands, in an active place. And I can so remember standing there on the beach, burning the picture, watching the ashes blow down the beach. And as I walked away, I said, God, now I'm all alone. He said, no, you're not. I'm walking with you. Well, I looked down the sand. There weren't footprints. There didn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Then it was the very next morning, the stump thing came along. Okay, now you've released Sharon. Now move forward with your life. And I think even with guilt and shame, there can be release ceremonies. Sometimes it may be writing a letter of apology to a high school girlfriend that you betrayed 40 years ago. Hmm. And it may be a letter you don't even send, mm-hmm. but an, it, an action, because actions make indications much more than words. That's why we have the Lord's Supper. That's why we do baptism. That's mm-hmm. why we have certain traditions my son's, I'm a Cherokee Christian Jew, and so I needed a coming into adulthood with my son. So we would backpack up in the mountains. And it's an action because so many times words just don't do it. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, we're talking about parents and uh, shameful things they're hanging on to uh, from their past. You know, at Shepherd Hill, we talk about Healing really is just confession, repentance, forgiveness. Now, you can fill in the, the blanks with many finer points right. that you want, but basically it's you confess it, that there's healing right there. Mm-hmm. Repentance, you just make a decision to turn from what evil you're involved with, and then forgiveness on, from both sides. Is it, I mean, if, if you want to simplify it, isn't it really kind of that simple? I would add one word. Okay. Brokenness. Okay. Confession. Repentance. Okay. Because I, and I said this earlier today, I may be 75, but I do still remember. (laughs) I believe with no brokenness, there's no change. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, well, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about that because I want to better understand it myself. But how much should parents actually share, if anything, about their sinful past with their kids? Because, you know, yeah. there's, there's that question, okay, do I, do I share this or how far do I go with this without making a big expose? That's okay. Important. I'll give you a very quick example of what my dad did. My dad uh, was a college semi-pro football player, drank fairly heavily in his college years. He had been previously married, and the lady left him. He didn't tell me all this until I was in my teen years. What's my point? Age-appropriate knowledge. And I think when the children get into teen years, because what that does— uh, when a parent shares that in appropriate place with the appropriate child's ability to deal with, usually in teens or latter teens, mm-hmm. it can establish a connection that's very positive. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I felt closer to my dad after that because I realized he was human. But isn't there a line that's crossed, though? I mean, I think there's some things that, that I don't even want to know about my kids, it, their married life, you know, that they they may be tempted to say, well, Dad, you know, you know, before you got married to Mom, share this or that or the other. I want to know, blah, 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 am I really your son? And, you know... Is, is there anything that's off limits? If, if, if Junior's pressing you and Junior's 28 years old and they say, Dad, I really want to know everything about your past, is there a real reason for that? Okay. If he's 28 and they press me for that, I probably would say yes. Mm. If they're 14 or 15 <clears throat> and they press for that, I would want to have a conversation of why they want to know. Mm-hmm. Because mm. I don't think we need to share everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest son, because I've got him spread out over a few years, I don't know that he knows all my past. I think it's more, in intelligence, we used to have the phrase, by the way, it's become very popular with current news issues, need to know. And uh, what's causing them to want to know? (laughs) Is it being caused so, oh, well, I can do that too, or is it being caused, I want to know my dad better? Mm -hmm. So there's a motive behind it. That's correct. I do not believe everything should be shared just because it needs to be shared. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, Doc, we are out of time, brother. You leave how fast that went by? It's just too fun talking to you. (laughs) It was great to have you with us, Dr. Rhodes. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Harold Rhodes. You can connect with Dr. Rhodes at HealingSpringsRetreat.com. That's HealingSpringsRetreat.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You know, there are many reasons why parents and students come to Shepherd's Hill. Some are suicidal, addicted to gaming or phones, alcoholic. They may have some behavioral issues like anger. And if your teen is experiencing some of these behaviors, Contact us through our website, licensedparent.org, and see how we can help you and your child. 
You know, at Shepherd's Hill, we still have construction going on. We're making much needed improvements and expansions. And would you consider being a part of our financial team and help us expand our campus and make it better for our staff and students? You know, a gift of any amount to Shepherd's Hill brings hope and healing to families in crisis. And you can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team today for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with our guest relations. Our executive producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.